What are words? Words are just sounds taking shape. It isn't until they are given a meaning that they are considered words. Hey everybody, welcome to the Words with Friends podcast again for the third time. It is not the Words with Friends game podcast. Apparently, I think that does exist. So maybe we'll get some traffic over here that we're really searching for. But it is a podcast about our band that's called Words. And we just thought it was cool to call it Words with Friends because we're all friends and we play in a band called Words. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, our text thread was called Words with Friends. And so the podcast just kind of it felt it was right there. It was the natural extension of the text thread. So yeah. it only made sense. Um, so today, if you're following along with us, we've done the first episode was about Overture and the band's origin. The second one was about the second song on our record trees called Wake. And so consequently, we're talking about the third song called Consume today, which is a fun one because it has some features on it uh, with close friends of ours that we are stoked to have on the track. And I think it's a really cool song. And to me, it's a really standout. If there is a standout track on the record for me that really separates itself from the others and kind of has its own identity, I think it's this one. To me, I show it to people who aren't necessarily into heavier music or like the the, the screamier aspects of what we do. I usually will show them this song and they'll get that Latin beat in the chorus and they're like, oh, I dig this. You know, it just has something super likable about it that I, I It's four really on enjoy. the floor, but but it but it's not. You know what right. I mean? It is, but it, the groove is different. It's like because James hates four on the floor drum beats. Yeah. So it's like you gotta you gotta make it still fun for him to play it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Mr. Escobedo, what else uh makes the song a little stand out from the rest of the record? Uh, is the lyric is the language oh yeah 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 I cannot yeah. tell you how many times people are like was that French or what was that La- what 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 was that <laughs> yeah you want to know the thing that made me the most sad about it actually because I was pumped about this part I thought it was really cool because one of the things that I'm trying to convey in the album is just words being words you know you know uh and so I was like, this is going to be cool. I'm going to uh, use a bunch of different languages to basically say, take my sounds, not my words, you know? And so, so that's what I've got it. Uh, let me, let me pull it up right here. I just want to say it all right. So where are we? So we've got French, Spanish, and Latin in here. And uh, we're saying, that's life. So listen to me. Take my sounds, not my words. Take my sounds, not my words. I love to dance in the rain. Do you like to dance? So uh, the the dance in the rain metaphor throughout this uh, album would kind of be anytime you're stepping back from what I like to call the simulation of life, the the, the society, the the have a job, pay your taxes, vote, 
all the things we do as a society together, participate. Whenever you sit back and take a second and just remember that you're in outer space right now, flying through it on an organic spaceship as a, as a species that just exists on it. Um, that anytime I'm speaking from that perspective, it's the dance in the rain. And so saying, I like to think from that perspective. Do you like to think from that perspective? Take my sounds, not my words. Isn't this crazy? We're just making sounds at each other. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting at here in a, um, so it's to bring more focus to the actual noises emitting from your face. Yes. More so by than change- the actual content. Well, I mean, the content behind it, if you dig in deep into it, is basically saying, listen to the vibrations I'm creating. Yes. Yeah. I'm basically saying, just listen to the fact that I'm making sounds and we've given that meaning and that's what makes it words. Isn't that interesting? But instead of saying that, it's just done through metaphor. But, um, well, I think that's cool because, um, l- upon listening to it, because instinctively, unless you know those languages, more second nature you're going to get to that part and not really know what you're saying so you're just focus you're focusing on the melody and you're focusing on how you're enunciating it, so it kind of from like a third dimensional perspective or fourth dimensional how, however you want to say it it's forcing you to just listen to the sounds you're making even if you don't understand it and i think that's pretty brilliant honestly as far as uh a thinking outside the box way to force the listener to to take that part in cool i thought it was fun (laughs) and i also thought i'm half hispanic so i knew uh my mom and that entire side of my family would just cry when they heard me sing in spanish yeah i (laughs) thought i thought there was a story where you showed it to your mom and she got emotional over it or something like that yeah she did that's that's pretty cool yeah so uh one other thing i wanted to tell you guys eric were you gonna say something yeah, I was going to just say, um, for me, what was really fun about this track is it's the first time I ever heard you use like uh, vocoder kind of stuff on your voice when you were sending demos out of this song. Oh, yeah. It was the very first time I heard you experimenting with that kind of stuff. Did I not put it? I Had I not put it on Overture yet? I don't think so. It's, pos- it's possible the early demos of Overture don't have a vocoder on it. I might have gone back after I found out how much I liked it on Consume. Yeah, because because I thought it was uh, I thought it was very odd, and I was excited to see where it went. Yeah, I think, and that's kind of even thinking about stuff we're working on now. I, that's slowly working its way into a staple of our sound. I think, uh, especially your vocal production, it's it's becoming a motif on its own that I think is pretty identifiable whenever I hear you sing. And I, I think it's super cool. I guess I think I was just having fun and I had one in, in my uh, software and um, maybe Eric was letting me borrow a MIDI keyboard or something. Or maybe I had this one. I think I had this one set up to it. Is that new? No, I just let, I gave it back. It's my dad's and uh, I gave it back to him. This is a proteus inu and i gave it back to him when we moved back here for a while but then when we were going to film the words playthroughs i wanted I, I borrowed it back over here okay cool but um when i got this pedal too is when i think a lot of those kaylin you were talking about the kind of becoming a signature sound yeah when, when i got this vocal pedal it kind of helped because then i just started being able to do it live 
Yeah. Which, which was which super fun. You are more successful with that pedal than 99% of uh, people who use that thing. It's, it's a TC Helicon. Is it the voice play live? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the blue one. And do, you, do you know, I half the venues we've played, the sound guy's been like, that doesn't usually work when people use it. And I was like, <laughs> just trust me, it'll work. Yeah, I think it's just your knowledge of proper gain staging. Most times, less people is use more. Those processors, they had the gain cranked on their end, so they plug in their mic, go into the board, and they and it's like gain stacked on gain, and it feeds back right away. Well, whenever so, we played at the the praise cave, and you had just gotten it, that's how it was. Remember, it was just way too loud, and, and like then I you pulled s- it back. It's you were like everyone, be quiet. One second, and you just sat there and filled with it, and I think you realized that the gain was the problem because it was like super distorted and all kinds of stuff. And then, yeah, uh, getting to practice through a real PA with it probably helped. And then also just giving it a gate. Yeah, you know, just having a gate on it for whenever I wasn't talking, it just shut it off. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that helps. Yeah, but, I think that um, is cool because it gives you more control live to to bring some of those elements that are on the record more accurately to the live show. Yeah. I just, I, if we're going to do those sounds, I want to, I want to do them live and it's just fun. I I'm playing guitar with a pedal board. I, I was like, I want to build a vocal pedal board just to have something to play with. And now I want to start playing keys live. I just, I want to have something to, I want to contribute more. I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, <laughs> the guy writes all the music and he wants to contribute more. <laughs> You're literally the breeze of this band exists. And no, I want to play on. I want to play on stage now. I'm done jumping up and down. I got tired. I want to play an instrument. <laughs> well, I think. <laughs> no, you know what I really I, want? I want Matthew Babineau to play keys with us. Like, if I could have like just how I want, that would be awesome. Because then he'd be freaking playing trumpets. We'd have trumpet parts now and flute and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, can I actually say something about the lyrics real quick? Yeah. To, to cap off the lyrics. Um. So the language thing, I was real pumped about that part, right? And how, how I, like, I got very meta, I guess, if you will, with it. Well, when we played the Wolves at the Gate show in Fort Worth, um, I had some friends come out to that show. And one of them came up to me and said, hey, dude, there's this Screamo subreddit that's talking about your album. And I think you'd have fun looking at it. And I was like, no way. Um, so he sends me a link to it. And then I eventually check it out one time. And it's a bunch of kids who do subreddit screamo stuff discussing our album and they liked it for the most part they called it like swan stuff and all this all their all their version their lingo now for what we used to call our stuff you know right at least that's what it felt like it felt like a younger group at least that's what i hope but um because then somebody was like in the song with different lyrics does anyone or with different language does anyone know what that means or what what they're saying and somebody goes, I know part of it translates to, do you like to dance? And somebody else goes, man, I wish I wouldn't have heard that. And I was like, I was laughing, but I was like, who the hell wouldn't take two seconds to be like, so what might that mean? What is he saying here? Like, who thinks that it's just like, by the way, do you like to dance? You know, I was yeah. shocked that like, as soon as you give them one more step of thinking, which I feel like for me as a kid was another puzzle to a fun game. They just were just like, well, that's weird, and didn't even try. They yeah, didn't it's even, like, like they got to that point, and then they're like, no, what's it? What, what's the purpose further. of a subreddit? It's like being sarcastic and rude became more important in the subreddit than like breaking down the actual. But uh, that now, was a lot. 
we don't know. I, I think the situation is that guy's like, I gave that up. I don't do that no more. As far as dancing, <laughs> you just can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But it was it was just funny to be like, oh man. I in my head, I thought people were gonna take that and run with it, and instead they're like, ah. <laughs> hey, at least somebody. <laughs> In a subreddit somewhere is talking about our band, and I can't be mad about that. Yeah, dude, I don't care. It's whatever. <laughs> it's just funny. It's just, it's funny to see. So, what inspired the song musically? Like, uh, I know you touched on a little bit. You didn't want just a straightforward four on the floor beat for James to play. So, was that uh, the uh, bass inspired the song musically? Okay. Um, I I think I set the metronome. And I just started riffing out some bass riffs. And then I started copying and pasting the order of what I liked. Um, and then I'm, I made up guitar parts after that. And then I thought of the screaming first. And then I yeah. thought of the chorus second. And then the bridge was, I knew I wanted to be Bradley's part. So I knew going into writing this one, I was kind of starting to take like impactful play, like places I had been in my life recently and put them into each one of these songs. So like I mentioned on one of the uh, other episodes, how progress was a lot of a conversation Haley and I had. So around this time in my life, Bradley Hathaway and Jason, us three had all been talking about this, this subject matter quite a bit. And uh, they were both at my house in Sherman at the same time uh, for like two days. Um, and we, we were having discussions about all this kind of stuff. And so Jason and I, as kids, were... I've known Jason since I was in eighth grade. Haley's known him since second grade, maybe. Um, he actually introduced her and I. But Jason introduced me to Bradley Hathaway. Kind of. I actually stumbled upon Bradley Hathaway on pure volume back in the day. And he had yeah. like early demos of his stuff and it had like weird electronic music. Uh-huh. And uh, it was, it was cool. I liked it, but then I just kind of forgot. And then Jason was like, dude, check out this book. And it comes with a CD. And I was like, Oh shoot, it's that guy. And we became big Bradley Hathaway fans. And it wasn't until way later that um, Bradley and I became friends through touring together. But I just thought it'd be fun for since Jason and I were fans of Bradley Hathaway as kids. And then now all three of us are hanging out and having these talks about life. It was like, I'm going to pick that as one of these moments I'm going to highlight and put into one of these songs. And then it would be fun if they both wanted to be on it. And I was, I was really excited. I wasn't sure if Bradley would want to do it. He's so, uh, (laughs) he's so specific about (laughs) He knows exactly what he wants to do all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I remember, I was first exposed to Bradley Hathaway in uh, the first band I played in. We were drive- We were going to a show that we were playing, I think it's a door in Dallas, but the old door location that was... I love uh, that place. Yeah, the, the down the street one that had like the sw- the big swinging door, the namesake of it. And yeah, he, he's like, dude, check out this dope spoken word artist. And it was talking, I think the first one he... he talked about was like the hardcore dancing one or the scene kid yeah. like where he's like the the hardcore kid who takes it too far or something like that i remember that line being in there yeah yeah and i just was like man it's like i've i never had been exposed to much like spoken word art 
at that point in time, I just was super intrigued by it. I'd, so that's he kind of cool he was that, really good at at getting people like to accept it as a not a weird or annoying art form in our scene. I feel like because yeah. all I thought of it was this, yeah, like a little guy patting on a little a little drum, and I'm walking to the store. Da, da, da. That's what I thought of spoken word. You know, in extremely goofy movie. Mm-hmm. The coffee shop. That's what I thought of spoken word, and so Bradley yeah. was the first Speaking one to be like, "Oh my gosh, he's going up there between two hardcore bands during set changes and just yelling poetry." This is awesome. Yeah, it is. It was just so out there for me at the time, but I was like, "This is just so dang cool." Like, I was like, "It's it's way cooler than I'll ever be, for sure." And, but yeah, I I think. It, looking back on that and then fast forward however many years, it's cool that he's on a, a track of ours. And I even remember hearing an interview. I think it was, I can't remember his name, but it's the singer of Being is an Ocean. Um, yeah. He was on uh, Shane Told, the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast. And he talks about a moment where uh, he was at a show and Bradley Hathaway was performing. And I, I can't remember which like poem he was saying, but it's something about love or it's like it's a love poem type thing. Or yeah, he, I think he has a love the hug poem. It's a the great hug poem. poem. And then at that apparently he says in that moment that Bradley Hathaway would like pick a person and hug them randomly in the crowd. And he was that person that night. And he said that's what inspired him to be an artist from there. Dude, on I'm gonna out. tell Brad I'm gonna tell Bradley that like this yeah. week. Yeah, tell him to. It's it's on late singer syndrome. It's the singer of being as an ocean. He talks. He cites Bradley Hathaway as being a major influence on him being an artist now. So uh, he's so detached from social media. I try to let him know when people are talking about him. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's so cool that I think he he probably influenced people more than he realizes, and uh, obviously influenced uh, each one of us in, in a specific way. I know Eric, you got to. I don't know how much you knew of him before you actually met him. You got to know him as just a buddy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I met him as a dude and I was like, Hey man, what's up? (laughs) That's great though. I wonder if that was weird for him. Uh, He probably just enjoyed it. it, Haley, my wife is the same way. She just, he was just Bradley to her and probably was just fun because he got to be extra goofy around y'all and not feel like he was the dude with like a decade worth of stories to tell. Yeah, because like to me, he wasn't like I heard about him being a hardcore like huge in the scene from y'all, and I was like, okay, well, I'll meet him. What's up, man? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then it felt really good for him to be like, dude, you're probably the funniest guy I ever met. And then uh, he taught me a life lesson. <laughs> dude, share the Bradley life lesson. <laughs> yeah, that's this too is good important for all of us. So we were on tour, at least of these um, uh, to audio feed. I think the first year. No, dude, I think it, this was the tour. I think he told you this on the winter tour before audio feed. Maybe. Well, I, I learned the lesson on, on the audio feed tour. Okay, okay. Because um, remember, all the, all of the, y'all's wives were there too? Yeah, that's when you shared it with us. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. So uh, we were on tour, and I was just cracking jokes left and right. And he, he'd crack up for the most part. And at one point, he was like, Dude, Eric, you might be the funniest person I ever met in my life, and you'll say nine jokes in a row that are just slaying me. Like you just you just do it, and then there's always a tenth joke that you say that kind of takes it all away. 
And then, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was like, huh, okay. And after that, I was like, okay, cool, good to know. And then, literally, for the next three or four days, I slayed nonstop. And I remember we were inside that bed and yeah, breakfast. Yeah, we were just laughing all the damn time, and you were you were just killing it for like three days straight. And so then we ended up uh, at the bed uh, at the bed and breakfast we were staying at. And I think someone, uh, I think it might have been Haley, but or uh, or Allison, Allison, but someone, someone was like, "Dude, I, I don't like." They're just laughing hard, and they were like, "You're you're so funny this weekend. What's going on?" And I was like, "Oh, Bradley told me every tenth joke I say is not funny. So I would go through as I say jokes, and I think about it, and I'd be like, "Oh, this is that tenth joke." And I just <laughs> I started removing one joke from every line of jokes I had. And it and, legitimately worked, which is what was nuts. Was it just kept you in the zone? <laughs> I it's got to be like for months afterwards. Johnny kept saying, and that, and I completely agreed. He's like, Eric, you've reached a new level, man. You, you're like you're always funny, but you've never been funnier. Well, know? here's what's well, here's what Bradley noticed that none of us, that I guess we all failed to notice was that if you eliminate that one, you'll appear even funnier. Oh yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like when you're playing a video games, your kill death ratio. If you're playing Halo, and you you do 25 of the kills for your team, but you got like, oh that's cool. But if you're 20 of the, your team's deaths, it's not as cool anymore. But if you're only two of your team's death and 25 of the kills, you're like oh dude, you are an asset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. I remember if I was ever having a bad game, or if I ever wasn't getting as many kills as I wanted, I just at least tried to not die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's a that's a viable strategy. Um, Most definitely. Okay, so so yeah, so that's why Bradley and Jason are on it. They were around in my life, and uh, we were all close. And I thought it would be fun to do this one together. Yeah, and did did you uh, write those screaming parts with Jason in mind? Like, oh yeah, he'd slay these. Yes, Jason screamed so good. He's been one of the best screamers my whole life. When I was in like eighth grade and he was in another band, I remember we played uh, a battle of the bands at McKinney High School. Uh-huh. And they covered, um, they covered, oh shoot, what is that? Since This Fail. They covered oh, yeah. two Since This Fail songs. And Jason did all this screaming. And I remember we were all young and we just thought it was so badass. And, uh, <laughs> Haley was there and she voted for his band, not mine. Which is funny. <laughs> Were y'all dating? Huh? Were y'all dating at the time? No, 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 no. Oh, we weren't okay. we weren't gonna date for like seven years at or six more years at least. Okay, that would have made it even better. He, no. <laughs> y'all were. So, sorry, sorry, babe. babe. Picking this guy, he can scream way better than you. <laughs> you guys know Chase Harrison with the big gauges sound guy oh, yeah. in Dallas? So Chase came up to me at that show, knowing my band played. He was like, I just voted for Jason's band like 75 times over there. <laughs> and I was like, dang, come <laughs> man. Jason's band won, too. But uh, So you know, so let's play Dr. Babe will yeah. operate. So there's no screaming in that song, really, you know? But yeah. uh, Jason wanted to. So he screamed at every peak of the chorus. <laughs> so it'd be like, so let's play Dr. Babe will operate today. Incisions must be right. And he would just do that the whole song. But uh, so yeah, uh, Jason and I were in like three bands together growing up. And yeah. I wanted him. I knew that if he screamed on one of our songs, he'd have to do it live with us once. 
and then it would give him yeah. a reason to play with us live. Yeah, that was a lot of fun because we we were playing in Frisco at the the Revel. I guess it was technically our it was our album our soft show. album release show. <laughs> soft album release with no actual physical albums there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't have physicals yet, but it technically was our album release. It's yeah, like, so it's in the sky. It's, it's, out, it's out there in the world, in the sky. Go listen to it, please. <laughs> but he uh, he performed with it. And usually I do the screaming parts live, which are a lot of fun, and I really enjoy it. But, man, it was awesome having him do those parts and just get this rock out and play guitar. Take a breather and, and, and play let, guitar. And let him just kill it. It was so cool. I filmed his parts for the words playthrough stuff the other day. Uh-huh. And uh, on one of the new word songs, I had him do some screaming on it, too. Sweet. Yeah, I had this idea. I'm just going to break it live. <laughs> um, Jason and I were talking, and I realized he needs to do guest vocals on every EP. Uh-huh. And one of those little muses, we need to make one that's him. <laughs> I, I want to make. I want to have Gino design one that looks like Jason, and that'll represent him being around. <laughs> That's so cool. I think that'd be so cool. What do we yeah. do? What do we do? Do we get a little beard, Jason beard? Yeah, I was trying to think like identifying features of him. I know he's always had kind of beard, but a lot of us have beards. Yeah, uh, but he's got like a little. It's like wizardy beard. So if you make it a little bit wizardy, and then you give him glasses, like bigger glasses. Yeah, maybe like a little. There's like little mini swoop that he usually has going on. Yeah, a little curl thing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's had that for a very long time. Yeah, I think that'd be cool, and I, I'm I'm all for it. I think uh, it, more Jason <laughs> is only welcome to my eyes. Yeah, I wish I wish we could get Ryan Davis on this too. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking this week. I was like, if there's anything that I regret looking back on my life right now, it's I didn't end up hanging out with him as much as I thought I was gonna get to. But yeah, and just so for listeners to know. Uh, Ryan Davis is was uh, the singer of one of your previous bands. Um, yeah, my band in high school. The lead singer was uh, a friend of mine named Ryan Davis, and him and I have been friends since we were eight years old. And then he moved, like you know, when your kids and your parents move. But he moved to s- several states away, and now he's uh, in the Navy and very successful. But he yeah. still has one of the most amazing voices ever, not getting to be recorded all the time. Yeah. That is a slight disappointment. I mean, he's cool. He's killing it in the Navy. Yeah, he's killing it. And doing all that stuff. And he's he's married now, all that stuff. But we wish he was still playing in a band or something. Dude, I'm. you might be thinking I'm being silly, but I felt like he had the charisma and the potential to be like Brendan Urie's style. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like he definitely had the confidence. Has the range, like. has the confidence, has the the charisma, and then also can scream, you know, yeah. Hey, so um tell me the end of this song, the end of consume. Mm-hmm. There's something that happens live that doesn't happen on yeah. the recording. Let's talk about that. I moment. was going to mention that cuz I think this the part the, the ending of consume is one of the strongest moments of our set live and i think absolutely it has, dude it's one of my favorite i think Wait. it has a lot to do with eric's contribution to the song for sure well, well i'm brain farting what is it you you rip a solid lead man oh. yeah 
Well, I pretty much play what you play, then I just do a different thing at the very, very end. I guess, yeah, so yeah, exactly what y'all said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you do something else, and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> something that's not on record, yeah. So I, did you make that up live or in rehearsal? Uh, I think you just knew, you noodled on it and kind of refined it in rehearsal. Yeah. If I, preparing for our first show. That's when I had the Strandberg or the Ibanez, and I was really into, like, Pliny at the time. yeah. And so, like, just some of those little, like, just doing a soft little motif that, like, like kind of cascades and then goes quickly to another direction and then cascades again. So, like, it kind of had this, like, almost like a swaying of the trees kind of thing. Yeah, yeah dude, I freaking love it. Um, yeah, I don't know if you noticed at the, the Trees show, the Scary Kids show, when we got to that part, I did my hands like, like a conductor because I was so excited. I was like... Yes! <laughs> more, more! You're gonna you're gonna do that in your playthrough, right? Oh yeah, I don't know how to play what you did for the okay. rest of it. So, that's oh, all I know. So, it's so easy. You you bend up and down. <laughs> it goes like a siren. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I think there's a tap on part going too. I don't remember Dude, the tap. Not on to part. throw him under the bus, but this was he. It was so funny, and he killed every other thing. But there was one show where we had to. Uh, play audio fade without Eric and Tyler, the old guitar player from least of these filled in for Eric's spot. And he played, he played that part more like the record, but he played it to where it was a half of a step down. Like he was rocking out and he, it's like, cause I've done it too. You like, he you, just didn't you notice. Look up, he was... You see where your, your fingers are at. You're like, okay, I'm locking down there and I'm just going to rock out and hold it there. And so he did it, but it was a half a step down, and it sounded like this crazy dissonant siren thing. <laughs> yeah. That was just kind of off. But it's like it was, Darth Vader's ship when it flies by, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it it had its own thing, which and it's and it was cool in its own right. But I just distinctly remember listening to that audio back and be like, whoa, that is uh, that is potent. Hey Stay Ryan gets Ryan gets from Tuned Up said that the word set was one of his favorite sets at Audio Feed, so it, whatever yeah, I, it worked. And his opinion matters to me, so for sure. And on that's the set that the drum kit was falling apart. Yeah, and you oh, literally like went ran back over to and put the it. kick pedal. I don't even know if I fixed it or if Michael fixed it, but I was trying to help. <laughs> all I know is when I was. All I know is we're at Audio Feed last year with least of these. Our our uh, mixer blew up. <laughs> um, I've already feel like I chipped my tooth and I don't know how bad it is, but I'm not going to try to think about it. And then now the drum set's falling apart. And I remember being back there mid song, trying to fix the drum set going, I can't believe this is all happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, uh, quite, quite the, uh, do you know how effect. many festivals I've played that the set always feels like that though? It's always some kind of like. Yeah, it's just it's because the they're long and they're festivals. hot. The, your, your set's always like a it's a thrill in every sense of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And we also threw in that Norma Jean intro. That was fun. Minute, which was fun. It was cool. That was fun. That Memphis will be laid the waste thing. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there anything? Because I wanted to make sure we touched on the the guitar part at the end with Eric uh, and. If you want to hear what we're talking about, eventually we haven't, we don't have the date yet, but uh, we're going to release a live version of Trees 
where you'll hear Eric perform that part. Uh, and it's yeah. super cool. It's going to be cool. It's it's going to allow you to hear how the songs have evolved live to have a new kind of vibe when to fit the show or whatever. Yeah. And I was going to I was going to mention uh, one of my favorite parts of the fact that like you wrote everything for this and then we kind of came in and did our thing with it is it left room for like those live surprises. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's definitely moments that hit a certain way live that don't come across in the album in, in a positive way for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's just you get this experience or you could go home and have this experience. And after this video and the uh, the music comes out, or whatever, they can also have this experience. So there's going to be like so many ways for them to experience this record. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that's something that a lot of bands are able to offer or do offer. And I'm excited we're going to be able to do that. Um, well, shout out to the fall of Troy who kind of inspired it. Yeah. Uh, or or maybe just affirmed it more than inspired it. But I was watching them put out an album and then the instrumental version. And then they put it out again and they said, it's mixed differently this time. You might like how it sounds this way. And then they put out an instrumental version of it being mixed different. So they, one album had four versions on iTunes of yeah. different ways to listen to it. Yeah. And I was I mean, like, that's kind of cool. I think it gives, because it doesn't force the fans to just digest it in one way. I've never had a live album. Out of all the albums I've cut since my tenure as a musician, I've never done a live album. Yeah. Yeah, I think this will be cool. It's also extremely hard to do a live album well, as we have have learned. It is not the easiest thing because you actually have to play stuff. You have to play it perfect. All the way through. (laughs) And I've never played any of these live, and there's not even a lot of keyboard on them, and I just made up keyboard parts for them. So I was like making it harder, but I was like, I want this album to be awesome. And so I have to try this hard. Yeah. But um, at least least we get to do it at the comfort of our own house. We're not like. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. the, The format by which we're doing it is, you know, we're able to at least control some of the conditions for sure. Yeah. Um, so before we finish things up, we did have a, a couple of questions come through that I wanted to throw at you guys and see what you thought. Um, the first one is, what are some topics you'd like to tackle in future records? I think obviously Johnny is probably pointed towards you, um, which, but I guess we all have input. Yeah. If you um, guys have any thoughts, I'll try to think of an answer. If you guys have one faster. I meant to think of an answer for this one. I saw, I saw it online, and I was like, that's a good question. I would like to see, because a lot of the EP is like, we're all the same. And it's like, you know, I know society used to be this way, and now social media is making it this way again, but even stronger. But that whole tribalism, me versus you, that kind of stuff, uh, we're the absolute correct, so you have to be absolutely wrong and therefore evil. Like just all those yeah. kinds of things. I just I would like to see like where I don't know, maybe not address it directly because I feel like that lacks poetry, but finding a way to talk about that even more, like this us versus them and actually addressing us versus them. And yeah. and how those walls should be broken down. Less observational and more interactive. Maybe. More like in, in I guess, because I think there's a lot of uh, concepts on trees where it's like us looking at it from 
from a like a almost third party because yes, we don't absolutely. necessarily we're we're not ascribing to a specific tribe. We're looking at this these tribes. We're dancing are, in the rain, looking at the tree, going, "What's going on?" But uh, I guess it could be maybe viewed from a more personal context, like in the midst of what it feels like to be in the midst of that culture. Um, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, and obviously with this pandemic and everything that's going on in the world, I think it brings those subject matters that we were touching on. It brings them to light even more or more in a more, uh, I guess it's, it's reality more so now than it was even at that point. So, um, yeah, I think that that would be cool to touch on. Yeah. I, uh, I want to, I, at least for as the past like month or two, I've been imagining these EPs that we're going to be putting out as like the different worlds and kingdom hearts. Yeah. And, and that the time in between is the gummy ship ride, you know, (laughs) I'm down. Because you know how nobody was stoked on the gummy ship part. You just had to do it. So that's going to work. That's paying your bills. That's that's doing the crap. (laughs) There's some dude in Japan that programmed that going, oh, this is going to be so much fun for everyone. And you're like, it's the same as going to work, fucking paying your taxes. It's the DMV, dude. It's the DMV. It's uh, court duty. It's... (laughs) What is that thing when you? I've gotten summoned twice. You got to go jury duty. Jury Jury duty. Yeah. (laughs) Jury duty. Jury duty. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, um, that's all the time in between the EPs to me. (laughs) Then actually making them, releasing them, and playing live. That's the uh, that's the that's the world. Um, So this is a big gummy ship right now. So I feel like trees was this this world. Clouds yeah. is the beginning. Is the looking up to let's go start to explore more. Um, this is all super vague. This is just a way to kind of feel like you're following the theme through all right. this. Um, and uh, so I don't know where to go after clouds yet, except I figured I was going to probably have to zoom in on something, and that kind of seems to be the theme of what I feel like I've been having. Whenever I write, dude, it kind of like I observe where my headspace is at and I just start seeing themes and I go, oh, man, this is going to be the theme. I can't stop feeling it. And so today I listened to um, uh, the the second Dashboard album. I can't remember the name of it right now. It's the the last song on the album is the name of the album. What is it called? It's the one with uh, Screaming Infidelities. And uh, the sacred dance, the brilliant dance, I mean. Anyways, it was like 2002 dashboard or something like that. And um, Eric, look up whatever has the brilliant, this brilliant dance album. And I was listening to it today and dude, I was feeling lots of feelings because I was remembering being a kid, like driving around at night, like thinking about emotional stuff to yourself as a kid. And I was like, wow, I haven't felt any of these feelings in so long. A huge part of it because I just haven't had like romance drama thoughts that you would drive around to as a kid for 12, 13 years now. You know, I've been just happy in my relationship life uh, for a long time. So what it made me realize is I was like, man, and this is something I've been thinking about lately anyways, is the older you get, you really, you zoom out 
on on moments in life like you're really in them when you're little you're like living them yeah and then as you get older you start to really zoom out and it's just like you've still got big things in your life and big moments but like why why would a song about a girl and going on a date be like a song that would take you through a whole like year of your romancy feels at 30 now having been having a kid and just happily married like listening to hands down it's sweet and it's cute but i'm going gosh what a brilliant songwriter this is fantastic i love these lyrics this is great what a good job but as a kid i was like yeah man you know what i mean yeah and i i think that plays into why nostalgia is so strong too because i think it we do zoom out as we get older but we also it's those things that draw us back in to those moments yeah. and make us and redirects our focus and zeroes in under a microscope those moments again. And I think that's why our, our nature is is so drawn to nostalgic thoughts and things. Yeah. Um, so I think so clouds is basically about moments. Um and I think going from here, I'm going to zoom in on on even more, get more specific. So maybe, or at least that was the thought lately. Um, yeah. So with what Eric's saying, that would be one subject that we could really hone in on. Cool. Um, and then the second question is, uh, what process for writing an entire EP that references itself? What or I can think I can reword it a little better. What's your process for writing an EP? that references itself throughout the entire thing. Okay. So to say this quickly and sim- simply, um, I have a notepad and I'll pick what I want to be my metaphors. So for trees, I knew that I was going to use this tree to kind of s- be the overall figure for what I'm trying to express. For clouds, I knew it was going to be clouds. How I knew that was... What you just heard, how hard I was just thinking about this dashboard thing today, and I'll I'll try to figure out what the theme is that's being thrown into my life, right? So then I pick what do I want the the how do I want the metaphors to work? So I make like a thought bubble on my notes, and like literally for trees, it was like roots, grass, leaves, um, just anything that I could think of that had to do with the picture in my mind of what I want to see. And then I just apply subject matter to them as I start writing. So then when I touch on this, I go, okay, so that's going to be my reference for this. And that's going to be my reference for this. So when I want to talk about looking out, looking from outside the box, that'll be dancing in the rain. When I want to talk about this, I'll talk in a different language. When You know what I'm saying? So I apply the themes uh, that way. And then the fun part is going so which how do i want to work that do i want it to be a lyrical motif or do i want it to be a melodic motif you know because sometimes it's just the chord progression that's that's the theme for the the subject matter or whatever and then sometimes it's the melody sometimes it's the lyric so that's pretty much how um and then basically when you're songwriting you just if there's a spot and you go what could be cool here you can go well could one of our themes go here yeah and I think as far as if you wanted to focus on the melodic motifs, I think from my discussions with you, it's more based upon, oh, this is a catchy thing that I like repeating throughout different songs because they fit in different contexts, but it's a good hook or good moment to refer back to because it's strong. 
and it just feels like it fits in multiple different places. I think a good way to also inspire yourself to think that way, watch some musicals. Um, You know, uh, for me, you know, I I loved Rent. I loved Sweeney Todd. Um, I've seen those both hundreds of times probably. And I love by three-fourths the way through the movie, you start to get like the second song and the fifth song and the sixth, like the songs that are kind of embody that person's personality they'll start to pepper it throughout other songs and it's just done in such a brilliant way. And I think just allowing your brain to be exposed to that and then like understand the complexity and the beauty behind it. And then it can inspire you to also incorporate it yourself. Yeah, man. Musicals for sure. Les Mis. Yeah. That one, that one will get you. Um, I liked La La Land. It's a little slower in the middle, but it's good. Yeah. But, Les Mis is one of my all-time favorites for sure. And then I like Sweeney Todd a lot. I like Moulin Rouge, although I haven't seen it in a while and I'm worried about how it's going to age. Gotcha. I, I saw it in my early 20s and it was pretty good. So I assume it's probably okay. I've, uh, seen, I have, uh, I've seen Wicked perform several times and that was amazing. I saw it live and I actually choked up when she sang that song that's real popular, the Gravity one. Yeah, Defying Gravity. Yeah, so it wasn't Adina Menzel, obviously, but it, it was the right. touring. It was a touring version of Wicked, and they came through Dallas, and I took Haley. And yeah. when she was singing "Defying Gravity," she's dressed up as a witch. She's flying in the sky, like she's in the sky, singing better than I ever could in the studio live while she's flying in the sky. Like after doing all this for an hour and a half, and I just started breaking down. I was like, "This is a superhuman!" Like. Like these people are so good at what yeah. they're doing. I'm so glad I get to see it. I had a lot of fun. That was the first musical I'd ever seen in person. Really, dude? Well, I've that had, wasn't that wasn't a high school or a college, right? I've right. I've had Les Mis on DVD for like eight years, and it's still like wrapped. Have you ever <laughs> seen it, Eric? No, it's I've owned it since like a a month really after it good. came out, and I've just never watched it. It's literally Eric, in you there. Have to, dude. Those those especially before you have a kid or it's going to be one giant kick in your dick i swear <laughs> i swear I, um i haven't seen it since i've had a kid and i'm nervous <laughs> i i used to break down emotionally through it way before having a kid the the whole metaphor of law and grace is just, uh, so russell crowe law hugh jackman grace watch it and think that metaphor is freaking unbelievable movie i'll check it out yeah, I'm trying to think of other. I, I did see uh, Phantom of, of the Opera. Oh, that's Broad- a good one on Broadway. Oh, and you that, saw it on Broadway? Yeah that that was pretty pretty awesome. But I also saw it in Dallas as well. And honestly, the Dallas one held up super well. Like it was way more on par um, in some parts. Better. Uh, wow. As far as like this, I feel like there was Way more, to go. Uh, flexibility with the set design in the Dallas location, where it's more crammed on Broadway. Mm. But uh, yeah. I mean, both were top-notch, phenomenal. Amazing. Kaylin, were you at that show when Realm of Refuge played a really bad version of uh, Phantom of the Opera song? I don't know if I was there for that one, dude. It was so bad. We needed. We had an X. We had a, a certain length of a set that we had to fill, uh-huh. and. Uh, Ryan had like a soccer game, so he couldn't make the show all of a sudden. So I had to do all lead vocals. Oh, wow. And then Ryan Burton, it was his first ever show with us. 
and he didn't have uh, time to learn the Phantom of the Opera thing, but Kevin so wanted to do it. We just did it in the middle of the set without a drummer. Just two guitars and a bass just played like a four-minute, not very cool Phantom of the Opera rendition. Oh, and, then, and, then, and then went back to our set. Dude, talk about ballsy. And, yeah, like, and it, committing to it. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, there's, there was, there's something respectable about that. Uh, well, it, it was at a church, and it was in the summer, and we were like... 15 so we knew what we were dealing with in fair verona played that uh that night dude in fair verona that is a band i haven't thought about in years dude there was some middle school scene kid in the back going like getting choked up like he could skateboard he could play ukulele and and he could sing phantom of the opera he's a superhuman like, <laughs> all i needed was an invader zim backpack and he would i would have been his god yeah. <laughs> man those were the times. And were I'm, ever, sure, it, I'm sure at some point, I don't know if this is the podcast to get into it. We've talked about it on the Hive some, but uh, the ele- number 11 looks like my neighbor. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that another that's, time. That, that's definitely uh, podcast material for sure. Uh, oh, dude. we it, Yeah, and Jason was in the band. Yeah. So the, so the guest vocalist for this song, Jason Hobbs, um, him and I had a grindcore ukulele band in high school. <laughs> it was so cool. I've got to find our album. Yeah, that that would be incredible. It's yeah, man, get that on vinyl, <laughs> dude. We we sold the CDs for a quarter and nobody was buying them. <laughs> <laughs> but just to piss everyone off, uh, Kevin Dunlap put the CD in the sound system. So between every band the whole night at one of our shows, <laughs> it just played our <laughs> our album. <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. Oh man. Uh well guys, I think that wraps up this episode. Episode three of the Words with Friends podcast. And again, if you're one of those people that just like listening to random podcasts with no context, but you also that's your, that's your thrill. The Words with Friends. Here's here's a here's a specific Words with Friends tactic for you to apply to your next game. I can't believe people are still playing it. Uh, yeah, it, it, the fact is it still exists. It's incredible to me. Gabe but... and Aaron played this game together. <laughs> yes. So, here it is. Learn the art of the setup. So if you play that game, you That's know it. what that means. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Just learn the art of the setup. And What is that? It's like Ron Swanson when he goes, what are these strange markings? <laughs> the man who kills me will know. <laughs> I was right not to be afraid of you. I was right not to be afraid of you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you've stuck with us through this entire podcast, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Also, I do want to give a little, little, uh, there's a little thing that you can do to help us out if you want to. And if not, no hard feelings, perfectly fine. We do have a uh, Venmo set up for the podcast specifically. Uh, it's at Words Pod. So uh, if you feel like giving us a tip or just want to support us in a small way, uh, you can drop us a tip through that Venmo account. You know, help with the you know cost of making this thing happen and putting it out. It's much appreciated. If not, no worries. This is free. It's a free world, free country. You can listen to it and not pay for it. And that's perfectly cool because we're putting it out there for you to listen to. Uh, But yeah, thank you guys so much. Have a good one. Love you. Bye.
Space to become one with you.